0: on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3 this Friday, we are uh, blessed once again, privileged and delighted to have uh, in studio with us Rabbi Pinchas Salush. We like to end our Fridays with the rabbi when he is in town to kind of get us into a uh, more weekend um, and uh, Sabbath-oriented or Shabbat-oriented mindset and mind frame. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah, which is here in Scottsdale, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H, where he says all are welcome, and he means it too, all are welcome, uh, religious or not, Jewish or not, also the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast on Apple Podcasts, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E is how he spells his last name. Rabbi, welcome again. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Always a pleasure being here, Seth. Thank you.
0: I was looking at the Apple Podcast uh, page of yours, and the category they have you under is religion and spirituality. Mm. I was thinking, yeah, what's spirituality? I think uh, it, it could have... Is there? What is the difference between religious and spirituality? Religion and spirituality? It's hard to say, kind of. It's a great question. It's a great No question. doubt you've thought about this. I have. I don't, I, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I don't really like the word spirituality. I don't. Frankly, either. it feels like it's like not religion,
1: right? But it also is too. It's too general. Yeah, uh, it relates to these maybe uh, spirits, right? Emotions. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's why the word spirituality. Spirits, yeah. but it's too broad of a term. For example, I know that love is spiritual, but is hatred spiritual? Right. It's also an intangible type of emotion. Yeah. So I don't really like the word. And besides the fact that I think the goal of spirituality is to transform us a year below on planet Earth. Not necessarily to make us take off to the heavens, but really for us to become better human beings and uh, to interact better with the world all together. And spirit just leaves us, or the word spirituality just leaves us in the upper realms. Yeah.
0: Or really the goal of man is to transform the world year below. Whereas where what you were meaning is that religion kind of teaches us how to act here in the world, and spirituality takes us to some ethereal place with no definition and no responsibility.
1: That's right. That's right. And that's why spirituality, if if we look at it in that fashion, it is not a goal in and of itself, but it is a means to the goal, to the ultimate goal of coming back here on earth
0: and changing the world. Well, having said that, um, that kind of relates to and is a nice segue to something that I opened up from you in my email this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wasn't going to start there, but as long as we're there, let's let's do it. Um, talking, of course, about the holiday coming up. It starts tonight, Sukkot, or Sukkot. Uh, you quoted your Dear mentor, friend, and teacher of blessed memory, Rabbi Steinsaltz, the big question of life is not whether you can soar to the heavens. Almost anyone can do that. The real question is where you land at the end. Sometimes you don't land anywhere, he taught, and then you are compelled to ask yourselves, is that what your great spiritual search was all about? Expand on that. That was was your quote of his, because it is about, really, how you comport yourself here. And it's not necessarily just about taking a holiday from life. It's about making a meaningful life here on earth, right? That's correct. And look, if our connection with
1: God is uh, a connection in which there is a two-way street, in other words, both sides of the relationship have to be engaged, then um, this also means... Yes, we have to go up to the heavens, but even during our lower moments, that relationship continues. And we have to bring God down on earth, as mentioned. So so if we're speaking of this type of relationship, let's compare this for a moment to a husband and wife relationship. I could tell my wife all day long that I love you and that I'm madly in love with her. And uh, yes, I feel like I'm on a high each time I'm with her or even not because I love her so much. But if she then tells me and brings me back on planet Earth and she tells me, hey, why don't you take out the garbage for me? Or why don't you go and clean the dishes? Or why don't you change our baby's diaper? And I tell her, oh, I love you so much, but I won't do that. (laughs) Then what's my love worth? What is that upper plane really leading me to? If I can't translate that love to changing a diaper or taking out the garbage. And in many ways, that's really what our relationship with God is all about. Yes, it does elevate me to the highest of heavens, especially in moments like meditation or prayer. But then the question is, what happens after that, after I pray? Can I go back into my office, into my home, and be as
0: elevated as
1: I was in the heavens, here on earth, in the lowly levels of
0: life too? Groucho Marx, the comedian actor, must have been some kind of Hasid. I'm remembering. I'm reminding. Uh, I'm reminding myself of a scene where his wife uh, sees him in a dance hall, making out and dancing with another woman, and she catches him, and uh, he says, "Dear, I was dancing with her because she reminded me of you." <laughs> and the wife says, "And you were kissing her?" And he goes, "Yes, because her lips reminded me of you." Yes, there is something <laughs> about a deeper, serious, <laughs> honest commitment here. Yes, right. It's not. That's right. But that is the point in a sense, in a larger sense, isn't it? It's not just about—this was the note I took on Rabbi Steinsaltz's uh, quote. Um, The point isn't really spiritual search to make yourself feel better. Um, If it's merely—if a spiritual search is merely about feeling good about yourself, uh, the kinds of things we've talked about— that Tom Wolf wrote about in the Me Decade and all these kind of new-age cults of the 70s. If it's just about making yourself good, feel good, what real use is it? After all, a narcotic or an alcoholic beverage can do that, right? That's correct, yes. You know, uh,
1: in another place, uh, again, speaking of my mentor, Abbas Steinsatz, there's a great book called The Thirteen-Petaled Rose, yeah. which is a book on Jewish mysticism. But there he uses the medical term. I'm sure the doctors among your listeners will appreciate that the medical term of false pregnancy. Yeah, right. That all of the symptoms are there. Even the contractions are there. But at the end, there is no fetus there, there. There is no birth, therefore. And many, many times our relationship with God can be compared to that false pregnancy. We feel like we're on a high. We feel very spiritual. We feel like we're flying to the highest of heavens. But where's the birth? Where is that fetus? How does it translate itself down here on earth? Have I really become a better human being, even in my office, even my even when I don't feel like it? Yeah, that's the big question. If I have, then yes, I was truly pregnant. If not, it was just a false pregnancy. Right,
0: right. Um, yes, I, I that that and that relates a bit to the podcast of yours that I wanted to get to, um, and all of it relates to the holiday we're going to celebrate uh, mm-hmm. starting Friday night which is called Sukkot. Sometimes it's known uh, in the lingua franca as uh, the holiday of the tabernacles. Right. Do you want to say a word about the holiday? Sure,
1: absolutely, yes. So you're right. So we're about to begin tonight for the next eight, eight days, uh, this festival of Sukkot, which on a simple level really comes to celebrate the great miracle uh, that we experienced in our 40-year journey in the desert after the grand exodus from Egypt, some 3,000 300 years ago in which God really engulfed us or enveloped us with those clouds of glory as the Bible teaches to protect us from enemies without and enemies within that included snakes, scorpions, and also arrows from uh, those armies without. Uh, Those clouds of glory are now reenacted, so to speak, with those huts that we build and that we dwell in and we live in. Some people even sleep in those huts for the next eight days. To again say thank you to God for that miracle that has protected us, and to also reassure ourselves that we have no, that we have no doubt that God will protect us today in the uncertainties of the world, as He did in the uncertainties of our forty-year journey in the desert.
0: And yet, there is something deliberately um, infirm, if you will, or unsolid uh, about these uh, these edifices, these these structures, right? Uh, they are not meant to be built as permanent. It is definitely a very temporary thing. In fact, you don't even want the entire roof covered fully, right? Right, right.
1: It, I, I believe, I, I believe right. if I'm not that's mistaken, right. it,
0: you, it, the, the rule is actually it should be so loosely covered you should see the stars in the sky. That's
1: right, and that is purposeful. Again, to remind us really that nothing in life is permanent. Mm-hmm. Even our homes and our cars that might be well built on our permanent when we go out and live in these huts, we are reminded that this world altogether is very wobbly. But the only thing that is certain is God's embrace, God's protection. And we begin the Jewish year with that idea because we know that this year may not be smooth sailing. Okay. But beginning the year in such a fashion will also remind us that regardless of where we end up throughout the year, what challenge we face, we'll have God's embrace protecting us and reinvigorating us. Uh,
0: that's such a great point to end this segment on because I want to pick up on it. it. It's interesting how it's structured so to speak this holiday right after the new year and Yom Kippur which just, uh, which just concluded on uh, Monday night I guess it was or Tuesday that we go from, from, from atonement and being inscribed in the book of life to this notion of what we're doing it with the tabernacle or the sukkah. Let's pick up on that. Rabbi i will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. He is the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast on Apple Podcasts, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. Pinchas is P-I-N-C-H-A-S. Pinchas Alush. In this uh, holiday of Sukkot, which is starting uh, tonight, it goes for eight days, also known as the holiday of the tabernacles, um, it It's interesting how it falls, and there are so many interesting lessons from it. You get into it in, in, in your podcast, which we'll delve into in a moment, titled You Only Own What You Give, but it's an odd thing about that which we're supposed to focus on, you know my theme about durables, the important things, the lasting things, that's which we're supposed to focus on while we are here on Earth, but also at the same time knowing that very presence here. And any moment of that presence here is open up to the winds, vicissitudes, the changes, the crises, the miracles of any given moment, that things can change very quickly and that our time here isn't permanent, but we're supposed to leave something permanent. Something about Sukkah relates to that too, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because
1: human nature is drawn towards the tangibles To give us some sense of security, yeah, but the sense of security is but an illusion. I think COVID proved that. Yeah, that we relied on that which was secure in our eyes, and all of a sudden it wasn't. Uh, crises of life remind us of that. You know, people rely on their bank accounts, yeah. which is tangible, on their home again, their health, their house, which is tangible, or their health, yeah. which is also quite tangible. But God here during this festival reminds us that if you want a true sense of security, don't go to the tangible, go to the intangible. Go to your soul, go to your values, go to God himself, and there you'll find that true sense of security that will be eternal. And in many ways, again, this message is given to us at the onset of the Jewish New Year so that we can anchor ourselves in that intangible in God himself, so that throughout the year we'll be able to weather any storm that comes our way. You know, uh, to, to to maybe uh, 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 quote a, a cute story that someone just shared with me. But it's a, a story about a father who was an atheist and he wanted to teach his son that God is nowhere, that God does not exist. So what he did is that he prepared a massive banner to place right on top of his bed— in the middle of the night, so that when that child would wake up, he would look up to that banner, and that banner would say, God is nowhere. His son woke up um, in the morning, saw this big banner, but he did not read quite well. So instead of reading, God is nowhere, the son uh, read, God is now here. Uh uh (laughs) And in many uh ways, that's really the essence of faith. Even though we may feel sometimes that God is nowhere, because... Uh, the tangibles were taken away yeah, from us. Them. Our bank account, our houses, everything is crumbling, stolen. In that nowhere, there is a God that is
0: now here. And um, I guess if I'm taking one angle from your podcast this week, you only own own you only own what you give. There's something about that that says it's reliant upon us to prove it or make it so. Um, and, it, and it's a nice lesson about those material things versus those much more durable things. Material doesn't mean durable. Material can be fading and fleeting. Tell the story of the Hasid Dove Bearer of Mezerich.
1: Right. So this is a great story about – I think this is a story you're referring to. Yeah. But about – traveler, uh, the wealthy the tra-
0: traveling businessman. Right. Man. The
1: wealthy tra- traveling businessman who came to visit him and he was astounded at the conditions in which his great rabbi lives because they were very poor and humble. So he tells the rabbi, wow, how can you live like this? Uh, is this a story? I, I yes, think so. Yes, yes. And the rabbi turns to the uh, his student, the traveler, and says, well, how can you travel like this? I see that you only have a little bag here with you. And the traveler tells the rabbi, rabbi, yes, but I- I'm traveling. I'm just passing through. You should come to my house, and there you'll see a massive mansion. The rabbi says, well, I'm also just passing through. Just like you, in this world, we're all passing through. But you you should come to my home in heaven that is built by the good deeds that I do here. And there too, you'll see a mansion.
0: Yeah, and that's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that lasts. What you do here is the message I take from that, which is as I take the message of Sukkot, which is as I take the message from your podcast. You only own what you give. So you say what is permanent is that we give, and the question is, how will we give, and what will we give? We give heart and soul, we give from the heart and soul. Those are the things that matter most. I, um, I, I, I you and I have both obviously, as everyone in this o- audience has obviously known, many, many, many people who have passed away. Of all the people you've known who have passed away or known of, and all the people I've known of who've passed away, I've never heard anyone describe their house. I don't think I have. I don't think oh well, he you should have seen his house mm. or he had a great house or she had a great house. But what we do leave here are great memories and acts of decency and goodness or 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 great acts of, you know, evil. <laughs> you know, there's the old story of uh, one of the uh, most uh, most uh, most bitter movie moguls uh, uh, of about 80 years ago and uh, it was a huge funeral. And George Jussel says to one of the funeral greeters, he goes, my gosh, I never expected to see so many people at this funeral. And the greeter says, well, you give the people what they want, and they'll show up. But (laughs) for the good, though, for the good. That is what lasts. It's the memory you leave behind from your decent acts of heart and soul, right? Those, those again, are the things that live on beyond your corporeal life.
1: That's correct. You know, Woody Allen is the one who said that he wants to— fight immortality by not dying. Yeah, right. right. (laughs) But eventually we all die. And the question is, how do you fight immortality? Well, that's exactly how how you described it. With good deeds, with um, a helping hand and a shining smile every single day. That is what will touch people and that is what will live on and on and on after you in all the hearts of the people that you touched. If I may say, you know, the Talmud quotes that the righteous... Even when they are dead, they are alive. Why? Because of the wisdom they imparted on us and because of the good deeds that they performed for all of us that continue to touch us so deeply. Those are the righteous. The wicked, on the other hand, when they die, they die. You know, Yogi Berra said it ain't over until it's over. Well, for the
0: wicked, when it's over... (laughs) It's over. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you're quoting from those sources because—and I think I may have brought this up with you last week, so forgive me if this is repetitious, but you never know where you're going to learn something from someone. And um, there's a great podcaster or a famous podcaster named Adam Carolla who also says he's a, an, an agnostic. And and someone says, well, what do you think happens to you when you die? Is there an afterlife? He says, I think—this agnostic Adam Carolla says, I think your afterlife is— what people think of you and quote you once you're no longer here. Mm. And I just thought that that was a beautiful sentiment that really does attest to the kind of thing you're saying. That is what you leave behind, right? That's right. I, I do believe there's much, much more to the sure, afterlife. Of course, of but course. But that
1: is certainly one real that we believe in and that I think we don't even need to believe in because it proves itself yeah. every time a righteous
0: person passes Yeah. Off. Let me pick up on that when we come back. Rabbi Elushin. I'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Elish is my guest, and we're talking about what you leave behind being the durable things and not what you leave behind materially. It's not really in your will. It's what you might say what you have willed through your life. I have quoted this before with you here, and I, just, I, I, I do so again because I love it so much, from Ray Bradbury, the science fiction writer. He says, everyone must leave something behind. When he dies, a child or a book or a painting or a house or a wall built or a pair of shoes or a garden planted, something your hand touched some way. So your soul has somewhere to go when you die, and when people look at that tree or that flower, you're there. And it doesn't matter, he said, what you do, so long as you change something from the way it was before you touched it into something that is better after you take your hands away. The difference between the man who cuts lawns and a real gardener is in the touching the lawn cutter might just as well not have been there at all. The gardener will be there a lifetime. Mm. That's what we're talking about.
1: Right. Yes. That's so beautiful. And it reminds me, you know, if I may ask you, listeners, maybe we'll begin there, to maybe eradicate. I know it's a strong word, but eradicate an expression in the English language. Because I've heard this expression too much, and I think that it really misleads us. When we go to work, we say that we are going to make a living. Yeah, That's the expression I'm referring to. Yeah. I'm sorry. We don't make a living. By going to work, we amass money, and that's making an existence. It helps us buy stuff. It helps us amass, again, things that are tangible and very, very temporary. Like you said, no one that has died has ever spoken about his or her house, or the people that, that knew that person has never spoken about their. The tangible. I think I'm right about that. Right. I just can't think right. of that example. Right. Yeah. Even though there's no people this with was, very was, nice houses. Right, yes. right, yeah. exactly. And these homes were made through the. Wealth that they yeah. amass yeah. uh, by making an existence, but certainly not making a living. I don't think that's a that's a correct and a proper expression. When we go to work, we don't make a living; we make an existence. When do we make a living? When we go back home and we educate our children. When we go back home and show some love, some real love, for our spouses. When we go back home and we help people in our community when we go back home and we make the world better that is making a true living
0: and that's a life that really never ends you know that's so beautiful and it reminds me i knew a guy many many years ago i, st- I still around i think lives in nashville wrote a wrote a um a marital con- marital counseling book or so- so something in that genre and it was titled treat me like a customer what treat me like a customer and the point was that you should treat your spouse you know how many complaints have you had that the husband or the, whoever's going to work the wife if if she works you know they go and they're so pleasant and so kind and so decent and so so willing to help and be kind to to the customer to the client and then they come home and it's 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 the attitude isn't always the same right, right. um it 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 is the misprioritization that you're speaking of isn't it it's a misplaced priority when we think of what we do For a livelihood is our living when it's really not. The real home um, that we're supposed to be building, the real life we're supposed to be building, is back at home with the family, right? That's correct, yes. And that's why also. We treat our clients better than (laughs) we treat our children or our spouses. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Look, it doesn't mean that you can't make a living at work if you're kind to strangers and if you're good to your employees or your colleagues then certainly you can still make a living there. But the concept of making money equals making a living is the wrong concept. I will also say that, you know, there are other expressions that kind of bother me. Yeah. Like downtime. Yeah. We go home for some downtime. Yeah. Well, at home, you should have some uptime, not downtime, as you were referring yeah. to. Yeah. It's a question of priorities. And um, you can have some downtime from time to time. You know, when you're all alone or when uh, everyone is left and you want to read a good book, fine. But don't use the time that you have with your children where you can help them with homework or the time where you can dine with your family or the time where you can show some love and kindness to your spouse or, again, even to a stranger
0: as the downtime time. These are only up times. There is serious social science that has proven that families that spend even such simple or taken-for-granted things as having dinner together – our families whose children will do better at school will be less likely to initiate drug there, drug use. There is something very serious and true about that. I love the, that you brought up helping your child with homework. You brought that up in your podcast, too. There must be something very serious about you and your children and you helping them study. It, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. I know we're commanded to... Uh, to teach our children to swim, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Perhaps we should be commanded to help them with their homework, too. Right. Rabbi Pinchas Solution, I'll be right back. We're going to talk about sacrifice when we come back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E is how he spells his name. He's the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah, colloquially known in town as CBT, but it stands for Congregation Beth, its own word, and Tefillah, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H, which means House of Prayer, and he uh, extends uh, extends his congregation to... Uh, anyone, uh, Jewish or not, religious or not, uh, the Rabbi Alush podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, uh, and he does a weekly uh, three- to five-minute podcast, which is just fantastic. Holiday of Sukkot that commences this evening, Rabbi, uh, brings with it its own unique and different set of Torah readings, uh, every uh, or Bible readings. Every Sabbath, Jews open up a certain portion, p- Parsha portion uh, of the week uh, and read from it. And it's really quite interesting. Uh, what, what if I if I understand right? What what is supposed to be read uh, tomorrow? And uh, it's about a lot of different things, but it's a lot about sacrifices, hmm. isn't it? Yes. Yes. I that's have correct. this right.
1: Yes. Yes. We evoke some of the sacrifices that were brought in the times of the Jerusalem Temple, some two thousand years ago, uh, during this festival of Sukkot. But that's right. That's right. And uh, we also speak of this notion, and we end with it actually, of being happy, of the Samachta Bechagecha in Hebrew, in the biblical Hebrew, which means you shall rejoice in your festival because um, we can be sacrificing sacrifices or we can be sitting and dwelling in huts like we were speaking about or we can be doing, you know, checking all the boxes. But if we don't do that with joy, happiness and, and, and passion, then really maybe we just missed the point.
0: It's interesting about the different things that are to be sacrificed. Uh, some of them are animals, some are not. But of the animal, they're all pacific, peaceful animals, aren't they? They're not pursuer animals. They're animals that are pursued. That's correct. Yes, they are the non-predatory uh, yeah, animals. The non-predatory animals.
1: That's correct. Or kosher animals are non-predatory animals, right. all kosher animals. And those were the animals that were brought. They each symbolized you a know, different notion. For example... Uh, the lamb, or, which was a common animal that was brought as a sacrifice, really symbolized our willingness to be um, in peace or to live in peace. Because the lamb is in many ways a very peaceful animal, so they each had their own symbolism. Um, but I will add to that, and because many may wonder, what well, it's still you know it's still maybe a little barbaric yeah. to bring animals as a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. So there are many, many takes on that. How could God allow animals to be sacrificed? Uh, One take is the take of Chief Rabbi Lord Dr. Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory, who was the Chief Rabbi of Great Britain um, until not too long ago. But he said that God here is acting as the ultimate educator. Educator when he or she sees a quality in their student that is unbecoming, they want squash it immediately because they know that by squashing it you might together squash the student together so if i see that my student for example has a tendency to lie i'm not going to say hey you liar i don't want you i'm going to i'm going to try and channel that quality instead in a good way so if your tendency is to lie maybe then you can also channel that in the direction of of um you know being Peaceful, and because peaceful is about compromising, lying a little bit. So channel in that direction. This is exactly what God is doing. He saw that the human being has a tendency to hunt, to kill, to kill animals. So he says, you know what? I'm going to meet you where you are, and I'm going to create this notion called sacrifices. I'm going to give you some boundaries to it. You can only sacrifice in the temple during those times, like festivals. And then hopefully you'll be able to channel that. In the right way in a godly way and maybe even eventually grow out of it
0: mm-hmm. to humanize in a way to, to more, to, or, to, or to civilize that's maybe right. that's the better that's word better word word. For it. yeah yeah i was spending a lot of time this week reading uh you're familiar with the psychologist jordan peterson i think yes. and he talks a lot about sacrifice um and maybe some of the lessons we learn from the bible about sacrifice or the torah about sacrifice and how to apply it today he says a sacrifice at present is a contract for a better future. Uh, Behaving properly now is a sacrifice. It's not giving in to our raw emotions or our passions, if you will. It's about regulating our impulses, um, which includes such things as considering the plight of others. It's knowing that what you do now to delay gratification, if you will, um, uh, brings rewards in the future, in a time and place that does, does not yet exist. And I wonder if that would be a good lesson to draw from the readings about sacrifices that we do so from the Bible or the Torah.
1: Uh, absolutely. I love what George Peterson says here. Indeed, sacrifice is about exercising self-control mm-hmm. and not giving in to our inclinations and tendencies. Um, I will also say that another way of looking at uh, sacrifices, whether they are positive or negative, is to see how did the sacrifice that I just took uh, turn me into? What did it turn me into? If it turned me into a demon or something that is not representative of me, then it wasn't a sacrifice. If it turned me into a better me, if it yeah. really, in a way, you know, excavated the best version of me,
0: then it was a real sacrifice. And it's interesting to break down or think of the word sacrifice. It is part and parcel of the word sacred, doing something for a holy purpose. And the more you think about that, maybe in a a certain way it is easier for us to make our sacrifices about delaying gratification. Maybe there is something godly or holy about delaying gratification in and of itself. Maybe that's a good way to think about it.
1: Absolutely. And I think, by the way, it's one of the greatest methods there – are to, to self-control and to becoming better human beings or even holier human beings. I think that, you know, I would dare anyone to try this, that if you have a certain inclination that you know is not good for you. Some people have food obsessions. Food, Le, for yeah. example, they see food, they have to, right. to jump and eat it. Right. Try and delay that for 10 minutes yeah. or even less, for five minutes. Yeah. And you'll see that after five minutes, you may not even want that food anymore. Yeah. That's the power of that method. Mm-hmm. It's true for food, and of course it's true for all other inclinations. Yeah, a lot of people stop smoking on that method. That, that Very good. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, I would even use that method for other realms. For example, Elie Wiesel, the famed Holocaust survivor and author, who wrote Night and many other books. He told me once that uh, every time he wrote something, he would put that manuscript in his drawer and wait for a day or two or three and then only go back to it and read it again to see if it was worth publishing. Because it's true, that time, that delay gives us a renewed perspective on life, a more mature one, certainly a more spiritual one, and even a more intellectual one.
0: And a guarantee for a better future.
1: That's correct.
0: Rabbi Pinchas Lush, thank you for being with us. May you have a very happy holiday. Amen. I mean, thank you to you and your listeners too. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. I'll be back with a final word. Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi, they're a great company. They're headquartered here locally. They do a lot of great work in the community, and they can do a lot of great work for you with the portfolio they offer for you to invest in. Uh, It is a secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate where it's not, if you are concerned about the volatility of the stock market or the possibility of a recession or even our inflation. It's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a por- an investment, a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com, that's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, that's 888-YREFI-24. I was thinking a lot about sacrifices uh, this week, and uh, I'm so glad to hear Rabbi Alush uh, speak a little bit about it, uh, or a lot of bit about it, in the little time that we have together. And uh, I, 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 it, it dawned on me that this is a big theme for Jordan Peterson. He writes about it in his 12 Rules for Life. He talked about it really well on a podcast he did recently with, of all people, Bill Maher. I don't know. Did you see that, Bill? Did you get a chance to see it? It's really good. It's really good. Um, and he talks about sacrifice um, in that—well, I'll just quote him from his book on the 12 Rules of Life— life, if I will, and I'll close the show with this, Jordan Peterson, our ancestors acted out a drama, a fiction. They personified the force that governs fate as a spirit that can be bargained with, traded with, as if it were another human being. And the amazing thing is that it worked, because the future is, it turns out, a judgmental father. As we sacrifice now to gain later, we must remember sacrifice improves the future. The realization that pleasure could be usefully forestalled dawned on on us with great difficulty. It runs absolutely contrary to our ancient fundamental animal instincts, which demand immediate gratification and satisfaction, particularly under conditions of deprivation. But to accept the truth means to sacrifice. And if you have rejected the truth for a long time, then you've run up a dangerously large sacrificial debt. There's a lot in there, folks. You've given me a lot this week. Mr. Bill, thanks for manning the uh, helm today. And uh, to all of you, thanks for being with us until uh, Monday. I hope you have a great weekend. God bless you all. Uh, David extends his regards. He'll be back with us Monday. Uh, Class dismissed.